Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Jumbo, everyone, and thank you again for tuning in to Radio Harambe. I am Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe studios. Joining me in studio, Safari Mike. Jumbo. Mike, I think I can get to the point now where I can not make a point of saying you're in studio. I haven't been out of studio in quite yeah, some time. Yeah, I mean, this is just the way it is now. So yeah. so we'll just I, I, remind me on the next show to drop the in studio stuff. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Mike... Um, let me put it this way. This is a show of Safari Mike's um, brain and uh, research. I am basically a listener here for this one. Uh, and I really don't have much knowledge to add on any of this, like most times when we talk. Um, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm basically just going to listen in uh, for what he's got to tell us. What he tells me is he has some great information on the inspiration behind Pandora. Right. We like to talk about um, Joe Rody and his incredible amount of research mm-hmm. and um, time and effort he puts into backstories and into authenticity and all these kind of things. And um, I think one of the things that, you know, we all could see when walking through Pandora you know i mean even if you are familiar with the film it's obviously you're not you know the film didn't provide the inspiration for everything um you know you, you just simply can't it's just all that information just isn't there um so he had to obviously come up with something else and and create a backstory and create a theme and all these kind of things and he did so brilliantly um and so, Mike, I guess you have some info on how so, this is done. I mean, t- how am I explaining this? So <laughs> when you talk about other parts of Animal Kingdom, when they went and uh, created Harambe, a, a country in East Africa. So right. what do you do? You travel to East Africa to see what goes on there. Exactly. When they created Anandapur, the... A pretend country in Southeast Asia and India, they go to Southeast Asia and India and sort of gobble up the culture. Same right. thing when you did uh, Cherkazan and Everest. They go to Nepal and uh, do an investigation of Nepal and kind of get artifacts and all that kind of stuff. But when you come to Avatar, which I think most of our audience knows is not a real place, um, they it's had not? to they had to come up with sort of real life places. Um, and inspiration to create um, the Avatar Land Pandora that you walk through on a daily basis. And as we talked about in our last episode, many millions have walked through uh, last year. 
Um, so I actually asked Joe himself where he got uh, inspiration from some of the for some of these things, and he gave me um, a ton of places that they actually went to and investigated. A ton. Okay, sure. Wow, quite a few. How's that? Really? Yes. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you see. Not only that Joe Rohde did, and in, in terms of um, research and travel, but also actually what James Cameron did in kind of devising the movie aspects of uh, of the the land itself. Yeah. See, <coughs> so, so sort of two different things going on at once. Right. So so when. Um the powers that be tell you about what's happening here. They fill you with fluff about how it's, you know, inspired by just the movie and stuff. And it's just not possible to do that. I mean, like I said in the beginning, it's just, you just can't do that. So this is, this is fascinating stuff. So let's have at it. So you actually spoke to Joe. Well, well you correspond, correspondent with, with correspondence. It's a correspondence. Yes. Like for example, yes, Joe Rohde and his Imagineers went to uh, the a mountain range in China. The I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. It's like Zhangjiai Mountains. What do you mean you're not going to try? <laughs> they actually, I believe that's part of the film in Wonders of China in um, Epcot. But anyway, they are quartz sandstone pillars. There's over 3,000 of them. Um, one of them called... Spell it. Z H A N. G J I A. That's all one word. G E. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. You ain't never going to pronounce that. <laughs> it's a World Heritage Site, by the way. Uh, one of the wow. mountains, the Southern Sky Column, uh, which is over 3,500 3, feet tall, inspired, um, I guess they're called the Hallelujah Mountains of the movie. And actually, the local government renamed. The mountain there, the Hallelujah Mountain, and that's exactly it. They've pulled up a picture. I mean, look this it up. It looks spot on <laughs> look to some up. of the mountains that, or the mountain range, the the pretend floating mountains yeah. of Avatar Land, and they use it. It's, they it's mostly rock with a few plants sticking out, but they're quartz sandstone. Um, that was the inspiration, and Joe Rohde traveled to this um, this place. To uh, sort of get the inspiration for the floating mountain range that is in um, Avatar Land. I mean, it's it it really uh, this is a stunning place. I, that I it is in the movie, or at least it was in the movie the last time I saw it. I don't know if it's been changed since then, but um, this is an amazing, amazing looking place. Uh, it's a national forest. Uh, and it is like as Mike is saying, it is spot on. This is this is where Joe got the idea. It looks just like it. <laughs> it's also where James Cameron got the idea. Okay, yeah, that makes the sense. Inspiration yeah. for yep. the movie itself. Um, in fact, they rena- like I said, the local government renamed one of the mountains after um, a mountain in the in the Avatar movie. Right. Um, sort of because I know Avatar is very big in it is the Asian. It really um, was the Mike. Asian continent. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, another obvious big aspect of Avatar Land is the bioluminescence. Now, bioluminescence, for those who do not know, is the emission of light by a living organism. It is a form of chemical luminescence. 
Now, James Cameron, there are different kinds of bioluminescence in the world, and I'll talk about a little bit, a little bit of it. But James Cameron got his inspiration for the movie from deep sea exploration, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Mr. Cameron is a big fan of uh, the Titanic was involved in some film productions about deep sea exploration. Yeah. What was the film with the uh... I'll come up with it. That's Go fine. ahead. <laughs> so he was uh, at least for a while big into deep sea exploration and of course uh down in the depths of the sea there is a lot of bioluminescence. Um it is basically light emitted by a chemical reaction in a living organism and it's Used for a few different things. It's used for to attract. It's used as a defense, almost like a squid squirt, squirting ink. Used for warning. It's used for communication. And, of course, it's just used for illumination. But in the deep sea, there are plenty of um, different types of fish that create bioluminescence. The abyss is what I was thinking. Oh, yes. The abyss. Sorry. And he's done others, too. But that's the that's the one that comes to my mind. Right. Well, he also did... With Ed Harris and, and, and Mary right. Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Right, right. But Michael he, Bean. Didn't he also do um, documentaries? Yes. About uh, deep sea exploration sure, and looking sure. for the Titanic? And, and he did ones for the Titanic. Right. He also did other movies that were kind of what you would call deep sea related as well. Um, the deep sea fish that we were talking about... Um, we, I think we talked about this on a previous episode, but an aquarium in France have begun to actually uh, simulate the pressures of deep sea uh, fish, That's uh, of the deep sea itself, excuse me, where the pressure is actually 3,000 pounds per square inch. So it is very difficult to simulate that kind of environment. They're only just now beginning to do it. Hopefully one day they can actually bring it to like Epcot or even Avatar Land, as we discussed. Wow. Um, some of the animals that do use bioluminescence are squids, anglerfish. Um, there's actually one in the Living Seas during the ride portion where there's that uh, that one fish that kind of chases you a little bit. And okay. It's an anglerfish. It has like a little uh-huh, uh-huh. bioluminescence uh-huh. at the end. There are others like uh, the Hawaiian bobtail squid that has a special light organ that actually colonizes bioluminescent bacteria um, wow. shortly after its birth. Um, anyway, there is also. Can I be- 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 go right before ahead? Before we move on, uh, James Cameron also did a documentary in 2014 called Deep Sea Challenge 3D, where he made a record breaking uh, solo piloting of a submarine mm-hmm. to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, which is um, seven miles below the ocean surface. Interesting. And, yeah. So this is this is a passion for his. So that makes all the sense in the world. Ghost of the Abyss was another one of his. I yeah. recommend Sorry. to our listeners that they Google a place called Bioluminescent Bay, which is in Puerto Rico. And there is luminescence. So as you're canoeing through for example through this bay you create light as your paddle goes through the Whoa. water it is caused by a microorganism a kind of, sort of a kind of plankton and um it glows whenever the water is disturbed leaving a trail shut of blue, neon blue shut up you gotta it's see, pretty cool people 
Google this. I hate to do this on a, on a it's podcast. It's hard on a podcast. Yes, I know. Google this stuff. This is insanity. It's created <laughs> due to several different factors. One, there's red mangrove trees. Are you that, going to Portugal? Portugal, yes. You got to go here. No, it's Mike. Puerto Rico. Oh, oh, I thought you said Portugal. Puerto Rico. It's Puerto Rico. Okay, even closer. closer. Yeah, I can closer. get to that. Yes. There's a <laughs> lack of modern development around the bay. The water is just the right cool temperature and it's just deep enough. Amazing. And there's a small channel to the ocean that keeps these plankton within the bay itself. Uh, when the Spanish actually arrived in Puerto Rico, they thought it was the work of the devil. And if you look at it, um, it it's freaky looking. It is. It is. There is even videos where people are, you can see them as they're um, paddling through. But it only creates blue when you disturb the water. So if you're swimming through it, for whatever, if you're out there far enough, or paddling it, um, you will actually get this kind of bioluminescence as you do it. Insane. But Insane. It, yeah, it's not just underwater where you get bioluminescence. So that's where James Cameron got his um, inspiration. Um, there are glowing mushrooms, for example, found. They're really? Yes, in Asia, in Australia, Brazil. And they create sort of a greenish tint to them uh, when it's dark. They actually grow brightest when they're only about a day old um, and then slowly lose their light. And we've talked about in the past um, the glowworms in New Zealand. Um, the caves in New Zealand that have glowworms in it, it looks like um, you know, the Navi River journey. Um, it's beautiful in there. Although I have heard that, you know, they, they kind of fluff it up for some of the pictures that you get, but, but it is uh, pretty incredible. That's insane. So there's lots of bioluminescence throughout That's the world. The, the first thing that you mentioned, the, uh, the bioluminescent bay, that color is obviously a color that really it's the blue. It, that James Cameron really stuck to yeah and this green color that this that these mushrooms are you could see you could see in some of the pictures of the, some of the photographs of these of this of these plants um, you know where he got the inspiration for like all of that stuff I mean you know all of those bioluminescent plant life right it's everywhere i mean it, they look a little bit like these things and and what you're seeing here that's ah, amazing i'll talk a little bit more about plants in a minute okay but let's talk a little bit about the um seeds now seeds. there's the scene in the flight of passage where you enter that cave and you have almost like these jellyfish looking things and you also see them in the river journey they're kind of pulsating oh um, yeah, yeah 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 right yeah that is um, basically, uh, he modeled them after the parachute, the seed-bearing parachute of the dandelion weed. That is James Cameron himself when he devised that for um, the movie. Now, yeah. let's, let's talk about plants. Dave, I, if you want to Google it, okay. I'll spell it out for you. It's Socotra, C-O, excuse me, S-O-C-O. TRA Island off of Yemen. Scotch, okay. It has been geographically isolated Yo. from Africa for six to seven million years, and some people refer oh to it as the God. Galapagos of the Indian Ocean because it has um, like 90% of its reptiles this? are found nowhere else, but it has plants Look at these that trees. are crazy unusual looking and provide some of the inspiration for the odd plants that you see 
in Avatar Land. I don't even know how to explain this to you. There's the dragon's blood tree that almost looks like a mushroom. Yeah. There's the desert rose that it kind of looks like an elephant leg with pink flowers blooming out of it. And there is a very odd-looking cucumber tree um, that are found. Other plants grow straight out of rocks. But uh, you're looking at some of those strange plants from this little island in Yemen. I, it's uh, it, this is blows my mind. I've never heard of this. How? how, how I mean, because everybody knows the Galapagos. How, right. how did I never hear? Of? This is insane. Yeah, there are weird looking plants on this little island off the coast of Yemen. Wow. So it's so it's just its own its own unique ecosystem. I mean, yes. It's just yeah. Uh, look at this one. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so again, great radio, folks. Me, me, listen, me, why? But I told you I was going to be a passenger on this ride. And I, I mean, Mike, look at that plane. It's very weird. They're all very weird. Um, look it up, kids. Look it up. That's all I have to say. This is amazing. Well, let's talk about the Banshee. And not only amazing, okay. you could see right in every one of these things. You look this up. Yep, yep. Pandora is right here on Earth. I'm starting to turn around a little bit on this, but I'll get to that at the end. Go ahead. Now, the Banshee. What is the inspiration for the Banshee? And according to James Cameron, it is the Archaeopatrix, which um, means first bird. And apparently it was the inspiration. These ancient creature was a transitional species between dinosaur and bird as characteristics of both. Um, I see that. It was found in China in Sort of the initial look of them had four feathered wings, um, although they're not entirely sure if that's true now. But it was the inspiration behind the Banshee, and that is the first bird species ever, the Archaeopatrix. I would, I, I, you could definitely see it. You can, you can definitely, you can definitely see where they're where that inspiration came from. It does look like it, although, like you're saying, it's winged, mm-hmm. um, feathered, mm-hmm. um, rather than I, I don't. The banshees are not right. No, not really. So, but you could definitely see it in there, and, and any of these other ones too, like these, you know, these other like microraptors and all these kind of you know early bird species, you know, from the Cretaceous period and things like that. But man, I, but you know, yeah, I see that. That's pretty cool. Now, some of the places that Mr. Rody told me he went to and right. his team went to, one of them is in Sulawesi in South Southern Asia. It's it? Tana Taraja. It's you want me to spell it for you, Dave? Uh, yeah. T A N A is the first word. T O R A J A is the second. They have traditional houses called Tonkanan, and they are thatched roofs with plants growing out of them. Which is the inspiration behind There's some Pandora, of the, Mike, right, right some there. of the buildings <laughs> in Pandora. Now, the Tonkanen are actually family houses, but the act the family actually doesn't live in them. Instead, they serve a ceremonial role and are used to store embalmed corpses Ouch. while the family has a chance to save up enough money for the funeral that costs thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars oh and can take God. months or years to get. During this period before the burial, the family actually considers their deceased to still be alive, and the corpse is dressed daily and served regular meals. Why, I don't know. The Tarajans maintain a strong belief in the afterlife, and they bury their dead up in caves. 
so that these caves are watched over by carved life-sized wooden effigies of the deceased. Um, these burial cliffs sometimes have hundreds of corpses in each cave. Wow. But that is some of the... But anyway, the those houses with the thatched roofs with the plants growing out of them, you will see in um, Pandora. Wow. This just is... These are places I've never even heard of. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, some of the weaving kind like of said, stuff. That's in Indonesia. This, this. Soluisi, yeah. Yeah. He also went to Papua New Guinea, and the, where the, the, the Sepik River yam masks were a big inspiration for some of the weaving. Um, basically, yams, or sweet potatoes, uh, play a prominent role in agriculture and ceremonial practice of some of these people here. For almost half of the year, men nurture their yams carefully I see the weave as the personal status is judged by their ability to produce large yams. These giant yams can measure Don't snicker. somewhere Don't between snicker. 9 to 12 feet in length and play a crucial role in their annual yam festival. And these masks uh, become part of that festival. Who doesn't like yams, Mike? I like a good yam. Yeah, see? Everybody likes yams. The men weave yam masks with various human and animal characteristics, and a lot of that was inspiration for some of the weaving that you will see within Avatar Land. Definitely. I mean, the pictures you're seeing of these, just when you you can see the bat, the, the sort of... I mean, I I thought the first thing that kind of came to my mind was the Dreamcatcher, the Native American Dreamcatcher mm-hmm. thing. Um, there's still some of that, but you could see it in this as well. That this is, and this may be even more towards the Pandora thing than the Dreamcatcher. And are. much of the art there in Papua New Guinea relates to the spirit world, which is very yeah. Avatar Land like. Yes, um, for sure. You know, a lot of their art is not in written form it instead works of art such as masks and things like that and talks about spirits and rituals and things like that amazing another play, another inspiration was the bali and the carvings that they have there they have rich history in wood carvings and um you'll see some of that in avatar as well yeah okay that makes sense they also traveled um, to less so than the other things, right. but I see where he's going. But that, that he has a frame of reference for this type of stuff anyway, for inspiration in a lot of his things that he does. So they also went to. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this one either. So I'll just spell it. P e l e l i u. Palelu, maybe. Ah, uh, sure. It is the site of a famous World War II battle. It is. The battle for the island was particularly brutal because by this time the Japanese military had evolved island defense tactics with strong fortifications using the rocks and the caves themselves to help. This enabled them to have a, you know, a good defense and a lot less uh, defenders than you needed for attackers. Okay. There are ruins of many of the installations of that era, such as an airstrip, are still intact. And shipwrecks from the battle remain visible underwater just off the coast. There's tanks. I mean, just doing pictures of this. It's what the first Also, game. there was in the in, an island in New Guinea called Rabul, R-A-B-A-U-L. Um, this was mostly a Japanese and Australian uh, World War II battle. Again, um, a lot of ruins and a lot of left there um, 
military machines. So I guess they use that as inspiration for sort of like the stuff being left behind by the by the army. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so basically, what he's doing is using it as an inspiration for how you depict these. Sorry, these (laughs) military um, or you know um, modern things in the jungle. Right, you know. kind of like being overtaken again by the jungle. Um, yeah, that's and that's which is a key aspect because, of course, Avatar yep. Land takes place. Was it a hundred years after the first movie, or seventy years, or something like that? Well, after um, the spoiler alert, Navi defeat the uh, military for- forces at the end of Avatar One. No right. idea what Avatar Two through Twelve or whatever. I thought we did know what it was going to be. What? But we knew it was supposed to take place or something. What? What? What the the land itself? I believe no, it was... no, no. The next movies. Were I don't supposed... know. Oh, I thought you I have did. no idea. I thought you did. I know you're a big fan. Yeah, uh-huh. and you're in t- waiting with bated breath for this. <laughs> Another place that Joe Rody went to to get some inspiration was a f- very famous Angkor Wat. Well, yeah, which is a temple complex in Cambodia. He just wanted to go there, I and is the largest said. religious monument in the world. It was originally constructed as a Hindu temple to the god. Vishnu during the Khmer Empire, but has gradually transformed into a Buddhist temple towards the end of the 12th century. There are actually over a hundred temples within Angkor Wat. I have a hard time seeing Angkor Wat in Pandora. I don't. I don't. I have a hard time with that one. Joe, said, the other ones, the other ones I see for sure. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, that this one. Go ahead. Joe also mentioned that he went to Balinga Malia. Or Beleng, it's a B-E-L-E-G-B-E-L-E-N-G. And then the other word is M-E-L-E-A, which is similar to Angkor Wat. And it was built around the same time. But as Joe Rody actually put it, it's, quote, more jungly, end quote. <laughs> the history okay. of that temple is unknown. And it is dated only because its architectural style is um, identical to that of Angkor Wat. So... Most scholars assume it was built around the same time, and it was built mostly of sandstone. Yeah. I, I again, these temples, I'm having a harder time seeing where the inspiration is, where where they use that inspiration, other than, you know, they're just inspirational places. Period. I mean, <laughs> you know, right. they're just beautiful places to begin with. But the, the, those two, I see less of. But this, but yeah. The other thing I ask. Mr. Rody about uh-huh. was sort of the music of ah. Avatar Land. Uh, one would be the drum circles, and he said that that really comes from Africa, where drumming is basically a part of everyday life. It is used mm-hmm. in harvest rituals, uh, gatherings, fertility rituals, marriage ceremonies, all sorts of all sorts of stuff. Celebration. Yeah. The djembe is that how you pronounce it? Djembe. Yep. Djembe drum is was invented around the 12th century. Uh, in Mali, in West Africa, and um, a lot of that was the inspiration um, for the drum circle mm. that you see in Avatar Land. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, kind of think Native American with that, uh, but the drums themselves right. are definitely much more African sounding. If you're familiar with the different tones of this, how those two different kinds of drums are. Also inspira- inspiring uh, some of the music in Avatar Land was sort of acapella. 
There is the Mongolian throat singing. No, no, come on. Which performers produce a fundamental pitch and simultaneously one or more pitches over that. Sheldon Cooper does it. The open landscape of Mongolia allows allows for the sounds to carry a great distance. Uh And uh, singers travel into the countryside looking for the right area to sing in, and they will begin their throat singing. I don't hear that there. Also, uh, African choral singing. That I hear. Which is for... Lady Smith Black Manzambo, of M- course. Mombazo. Mombazo, excuse me. <laughs> what did I say? I don't know. Mombazo. <laughs> but it wasn't Mombazo. <laughs> Which um, famously were uh, in, involved in Graceland, the Paul Simon's. Paul Simon's. Paul yeah. Simon's the hit yep. record from years ago. Um, but that those two things inspired some of the music of Avatar Land. Again, that I hear. I hear I hear the African influence for sure, but the others, not not so much. Mongolian throat singing? I don't hear that. That, that is... A um, unique sound. Uh, when you hear it once, you cannot forget it. Uh, so, y- 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 no, I don't hear that. I don't hear that in there. But I definitely hear African. I hear African influences in the soundtrack to the movie. You sure. Know, which we play in, as our background loop occasionally. So we do. Yeah. What so do we do that it's for? because it's <laughs> music from Avatar. Um, so it's it's you know I definitely hear that, but the other ones I don't. Okay. That, Dave, is the inspirations of Avatar. Well. Land. Okay. I'll start with the with the bad part first. All right. Which is, why didn't they just build something about those things we all just named? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, uh, like why could build bioluminescent bay and uh Yeah. Why couldn't Yemen? we do something based? I mean, these are, he's, he's pointed. The first thing that comes to my mind as I'm going through this list of stuff with you and i'm googling these and i'm blown away by the images is my god the earth has produced things just as beautiful or more beautiful than james cameron ever could um why aren't we doing a you know why aren't we using them as for the inspiration in the story of a land whatever it might be you know uh why do we need to uh to use it to pretend on we're in a different planet that's the first thing that comes to my mind there wasn't there but that quickly goes away and replaces itself with this sort of reverence for um you know the fact that there are so many neat cultural you know touchstones here mm-hmm. Uh, in this thing that, uh, you know, I almost wish they would, you know, make it more known to people that that's what these inspirations are rather than, you know, this movie stuff, because it is these these things are I mean, I just I was blown away by nearly every little picture I saw in some of these things. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. Um, you want to go to Bioluminescent Bay now? Don't Bioluminescent you? Bay, that <laughs> island off of Yemen. I mean, yeah. I mean, just just insane. It's cool. I mean, it's it's yet. crazy, you know. And and it's a it's a world treasure, you know. And and um, that's what the animal kingdom is about to me. Not Pandora, um, not a, a made up place. But putting that aside, I mean, my God, now we know why this turned out as well as it did. By using By y- real life yes. Earth places mm-hmm. to inspire it, it gives you a sense of familiarity, but also alien. Uh, alien, exactly, a sense of familiarity, but roots the designer into something that they could produce right. that is three dimensional. 
as -hmm. opposed to a movie, um, you know, where you're looking at, uh, you're, you're trying to reproduce essentially something that's animated because that movie was almost entirely animated out of it. Yeah, it was a cartoon. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's that kind of, uh, you, you know, that's what, if you tried to produce, reproduce that animation stuff, I think it would have failed. But because they're producing right. real life things, um, as much as they are stuff from the movie, I mean, like I said, folks, Google these things, you will see that these are exactly what you're looking at, you know, with maybe a little twist here and there yeah, sure. in the design, but this is the inspiration, and I mean, that's just, there you go. That's the key. I mean, the, the answer to why this thing came out so good is because Rhodey did that. You know, went to these places and was inspired by these places because it's just, I still can't get over some of them. I mean, <laughs> this tree right. that looks like, a giant tree looks like a mushroom. How do they do that? <laughs> Where'd that go? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's incredible. Mike, that's great information. I think that really... Uh, I think I think I think the listeners are gonna enjoy that. Unfortunately, this episode requires you to go on the internet and Google a few things to really appreciate what we were talking about. A yeah, little bit. go so go back and listen to it again in front of your Google machine, <laughs> and uh, put these put these things in and 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 look at what if you're not familiar with them already. I'm sure I'm 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 fairly ignorant to the world, so I'm sure that many of these things are things you've heard of. Um, it's just that I haven't. That's uh, you know, I, and I'm blown away by them. I, I, especially since I didn't know a place in Puerto Rico, for God's sake. Right. It's in, it's in our country, but it's uh, it's uh, it, it's incredible. So anyway, is that it? That is it. Wow, that was a great show. I, I I'm glad we did that. Um, follow us on Instagram, Disney's Animal Kingdom. If you have any questions about this stuff for Mike, uh, you know, reach out to him on Twitter. At Jumbo, everyone. At Jumbo, everyone. Uh, he'll answer as many questions as he could. You can also uh, email us, everyone at gmail.com. For Safari Mike, I'm Dave McBride. Quaharini, go well, and thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. <laughs> Now, who